Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity in sin. And we all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about this yesterday. We were talking about uh, how complex the human mind is and how complex life and society is, but yet there's no real management book. No! There's no real, there's no document that shows you this is the optimal way to exist and these are the pitfalls of existing other ways. Oh, this is Wretched Radio. That was Joe Rogan, apparently unaware that there is a book, an owner's manual, we call it the Bible, that instructs us in all of life and godliness. Joe Rogan, apparently not aware that the pages of the Bible, written by God himself through human instruments, is everything you need to figure it out and to answer the questions that, Until recently, we're pretty much settled. Like, what is a woman? Duh. What is a man? Without the Bible, I'm telling you, the world will continue to flounder around and trying to sort things out because they realize there's just something wrong here. Let me take you to... Gentlemen's Quarterly. No, I don't have a subscription. It was sent to idea at wretched.org asking the question, do you need to visit the Confident Man Ranch? That is how they teach men to be confident men. Saddle up your horses. We're going to, we're going to, do horse whispering. We're going to listen to the animal and learn life lessons. For instance, the author of this really long article in GQ about the Confident Man Ranch describes getting on a horse for the first time. The instructor, a she at the Confident Man Ranch, told him, hey, don't let your he- your horse's head dip down into the grass all the time. He's been eating too much, so if he pulls it down, you got to pull it back up. And he found himself incapable of controlling the beast and feeling so inadequate. When the horse whisperer woman said, do you expect to master something on your first try? Oh life lessons from the confident man ranch they laugh at us because we run to a 2000 year old book that has shown itself (laughs) to be profitable millions and billions of times and yet gq would point us toward the confident man ranch where we learn life lessons from a horse how do we know how to behave as women and as men. You got to go to the owner's manual. And so it is an article in The American Reformer did just that, asking the question, are you a gentle man? We are in the midst of a whiplash, another one in our culture. You've got feminists who are screaming. you've, You've got to be non-toxic. In other words, men basically need to be women, And you see society responding to that, and you see the church imbibing that worldview. 
telling men to not be so, well, confident, certainly not strident. Uh, Don't ever contend. You need to be gentle. Well, that's an interesting way to view it. But the question is, who gets to define what it means to be a gentle man? And the answer should be the Bible. Our answer shouldn't be a response to the world. And furthermore, there are other evangelical groups in responding to the feminist mantra that men should basically be women who are trying to embrace some sort of a masculinity that is almost a caricature of what it means to be a man. How do we know? How do you sort it? The answer is you go to the owner's manual. He tells us, not a horse uh, and, and not a podcast by an unbeliever. This article took a tour through the Bible where we see the the concept of gentleness and meekness every place. And we see evangelicals embracing that, uh, calling for a softer center, a more thoughtful approach, being less strident. So what does it mean to be gentle? Jesus taught, blessed are the meek. Gentleness, it's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. God exhorts us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with humility and gentleness. Uh Uh-oh, it's becoming overwhelming. We're supposed to be gentle people. Put on as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, and gentleness. The man of God must pursue gentleness, 1 Timothy 6. Peter tells wives, a gentle and quiet spirit is very precious in God's sight. Let your reasonableness, your gentleness be known to everyone. So what does it mean? We turn to the Bible. This was was some good work. Isaiah 8, 6. The waters of Shiloh flow gently, slowly. So gentleness is a gentle stream, not a violent torrent. It's not surging rapids. Gentleness is placid, kind of calm. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and stand on the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed and a great and strong wind tore through the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks. You know this, after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, a gentle whisper. Gentleness, therefore, is like a soft whisper. It's not a huff and puff, violent wind or an earthquake. Gentleness is like a soft whisper. And now you're starting to think, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be a push toward being really soft and mushy. Hang in there. King David ordered his military commanders, deal gently with Absalom, which, by the way, is a qualification for an elder, not violent, not a bully, but gentle. So violence is intentionally using physical force to hurt. A bully does that. Gentleness is like a soldier dealing mercifully with an enemy. So gentleness is not like violence. Ezekiel 17.22 I myself will take a sprig from the top of the cedar 
I will break it off from the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. So the word for gentle there is tender, referring to the twig. So the concept of gentleness, as defined by the Bible, is how God treats a tender twig, carefully handling a tender branch, nurturing it so it can flourish. Gentleness is not like breaking a twig. It's a gentle, tending, nurturing sort of approach. A soft answer, a gentle answer, turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. So what is gentleness? It's a soft word. With patience, a ruler must be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Gentleness is like speaking softly and patiently in order to disarm or persuade. When Paul appears before Felix to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. So gentleness is like a disposition that's kind and generous and gracious. It's not being unkind, ungenerous, and ungracious. Now, when the south wind blew gently... This is an axe. So it's, gentleness is like a refreshing, pleasant, helpful breeze, not a hurricane force wind. Are you feeling the weight of this? Gen gentleness is described really delicately, doesn't it? And so you might be inclined to think, whoa, so I need to just be a passive Passover. Pat pushover. That's what <laughs> I guess a passive Passover would be when the lamb eats the person, I guess, something like that. Is this what it means to be a gentleman? Just steamroller right over me. So how do we define gentleness? It's a virtue. It's a quality in a, a, a person, 2 Peter 1.8. And we're to be growing in gentleness. You express the virtue of gentleness when you treat a person with tender kindness. Friendly, generous, considerate. But expressing kindness alone is not gentleness. You must do it tenderly with compassion and sympathy. And now you're thinking, hold on. This doesn't feel right. That a guy is just supposed to be namby and pamby. And you're right in your observation for two reasons. Number one, the Bible. It, it, it talks about other attributes. And it also talks about there are times to display certain characteristics, even though you possess all of them. And second, it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't resonate with us. Wait, I'm just supposed to be that? That's the only thing I'm supposed to be? I'm supposed to be a sissy pants? No! So what does it look like? Next, on Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Club's ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, hey, well, October is here. That means pumpkin spice everything everywhere you look. <laughs> Plus, that also means football season is in full swing. Oh, and of course, the Devil's Day is coming up. That's right, Halloween is coming up. And I don't have to tell you that Sugar Hype kids are going to be coming knocking on your door, whether you like it or not, so you better be prepared. We've got a way to help you send them soaring higher than any cavity-induced candy you could ever give them. I'm talking about giving them gospel booklets from Wretched. You can give them the treat of all treats this Halloween, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't have to skip the candy if you don't want to. No, you don't have to. You can actually include it with the gospel booklets, but gospel booklets are on sale right now in the Wretched store as low as 99 cents per booklet. Now through the 25th. And you'll want to order by the 25th, so you'll have them in time for the Devil's Day. That's Halloween. Get them before they're gone at wretched.org. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. I was very unsure of what I was doing when I came in, and by the end of the appointment, Rosemary had talked to me. She had actually prayed with me because she had asked me, like, do you know about Jesus? Because I was telling her, I don't feel like God's going to forgive me for this one. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound and Preborn Ministries uses good equipment, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with Preborn. Please consider supporting Preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1735. The Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards stirs the American colonies with many conversions and individual returns to heartfelt faith. Because of this awakening, a number of divinity schools were founded, including Princeton, Dartmouth, and Rutgers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sorry, but I gots to know. What does Stephen Curtis Chapman sound like 25 years later? <laughs> Quite good, actually. And this is 
to Wretched Radio. What does it mean to be a man? How do we know how to act in a rather conflicted world, even inside of the church? Should men constantly be squishy and tender and downright sissified? And the answer is no, for two reasons. The Bible and our intuition. If you are to be a gentle man, always, let's just say, like a how, how, a, how a gardener would t- treat a tender twig, you're like a peaceful stream. You always speak an encouraging word that helps and uplifts. And somebody breaks into your house. Hi, criminal. Tell me about your childhood. No. No, I'm going to put, hey! What are you doing? Now, that doesn't sound gentle, does it? So how do we harmonize the multitude of biblical admonitions that we are to be gentle, and yet we're still supposed to be strong? We're supposed to be a protector. We're supposed to be soldiers. Whoa. What we see happening in the church is an adopting of the the feminist mantra that says men basically should be women. And that's so we got to sand down all of those rough edges. And to be clear, there are some edges that do need to be sanded off because men indeed have a proclivity to be more boorish than women are. Nevertheless, they they just want us to be, well, shaped like a woman in every regard, emotionally, physically, verbally. And the Bible actually affirms gentleness, but that isn't all it tells us about what it means to be a man. We have to go to the Bible because gentleness, by definition, actually requires strength and humility. Strength and softness. And you go, wait, those don't seem to go. They do go together because you can't be gentle unless you have strength. You, you, because you're exercising something. You're restraining yourself from behaving in a stronger way. That's what it means to be gentle. I'm holding back. I've got the strength. I've got the power. I'm just not using it because this moment doesn't call for it. And yet we know there are other moments when we are called to be strong. You Can you imagine even though most of the definitions we just heard about gentleness were from the Old Testament, can you imagine, say, David's mighty men going into battle? Excuse us. So sorry. I know you came out here like for a bloodbath. But just wondering, Mr. Philistine, um, have you been eating well, getting enough rest? We're gentle. We care. No, they, they became warriors. That doesn't, however, still help us totally because gentleness is supposed to be an attribute. It is supposed to be a fruit of the Spirit. And so you think, well, then I should be gentle all the time. And the answer to that is a careful yes and no. Yeah, your your disposition should be gentle. In other words, you have yourself under control, whether it's your members, your tongue, your thoughts, You got them under control. That's gentle. And that's the case all the time. But that doesn't mean we behave like that all the time. Because we're called to do other things. David Mathis, quote, 
Gentleness is not the absence of strength, but the addition of virtue to strength. Gentleness is often used as a positive spin for weakness, but gentleness in the Bible is not a lack of strength. It is the godly exercise of power. It does not single signal a lack of ability, but the added ability to steward one's strength so that it serves good life ending ends or life giving ends rather rather than harmful ends cuz we want strength don't we so gentleness doesn't disqualify strength it complements and it guides and defines our strength and that requires wisdom. And that means we need to really be thoughtful. You enter into a situation, whatever it happens to be, it's home, it's work, it's society, neighbor. How are you going to act? Well, your disposition, your face should be that of a gentleman. It requires wisdom, though, to know when you should not act gently. There are just certain times, and we get this, don't we? We understand that there are just some time, somebody, somebody, okay, here you go. You're a police officer and that creeper who took the nine-year-old girl, praise God, she was found apparently safe and unharmed, takes a nine-year-old girl uh, right from underneath the family's nose on a camping trip. And let's just say you're the police officer and you see the dude and he's got the little girl. Excuse me. Um. Hi. <laughs> you look so unkept. I wonder, when was the last time you had a hot bath? Because maybe just getting cleaned up in a shave would be so helpful to you. And you go, that's just stupid. And I agree with that. You want the, you want the cop to tell him to stop and to do what is necessary to apprehend a bad dude. And you would say, well, that's not being gentle. He's not a gentleman. Yes, he is. We are gentle by nature, growing in that fruit, but that doesn't mean any other attribute gets kicked to the curb. In some situations, this is that article from the American Reformer, in some situations, it is sinful to be gentle. If a violent man breaks into your home, threatens your family, that's not a time to be gentle. That's a time to be aggressive and confrontational. Is the ideal man always like Mr. Rogers? And the answer is no. And we, we get that, don't we? That dude was a hero. Look at how brave that individual was. Some people have gutted the biblical virtue of gentleness to mean universal niceness. Uh, that's not right. It's our disposition. We are a peaceful person. We are gentle, but that doesn't mean that we never exercise strength and flex a muscle. You treat a kitten with gentleness, but if a pit bull is attacking your child, no. In fact, people would look at it and go, what's the matter with you? Why, 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 why didn't you do something? Why didn't you go to get after that thing? We are strong gentlemen by nature and temperament. But strength comes to the front when called upon, just like all of the other virtues. So what does it mean to be kind to everyone? It means our general posture should be friendly, generous, considerate. But it doesn't mean that you should be friendly to a violent criminal. 
who is attempting to molest your wife. What does it mean to be gentle toward all people? This is from 2 Timothy 2 and Titus 3. It means our general posture is to be humble and wise, to show tender kindness to others in the right setting. It doesn't mean a pastor, though, needs to be really... T- I know. You, you want to teach the shack and... Oh, I understand the need to hear extra biblical revelation. And if you if you really feel like bringing in Benny Hinn, that's fine too. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not contending earnestly for the faith. You're not rebuking. You're not exhorting. Let's not fall into the trap that so many are in evangelical Christianity. Let's not ignore what it means to be gentle. We want to cultivate that because that isn't our typical bent. And it is true. It tends to be more of a feminine, a female attribute. We want to cultivate this. We need to. But not at the exclusion of everything else. What does it mean to avoid quarreling? We shouldn't squabble about trivial stuff. Shouldn't fight. Uh, Some things are worth fighting for, however. What does it mean to correct your opponents with gentleness? It means that when you're trying to help an opponent see the errors of their way, you do so gently. But sometimes you need to protect the flock and speak out loudly or tell somebody in your church, stop, this, no, this has to stop. Does that sound gentle? No, it doesn't sound gentle. But the individual is still a gentle man because he is still keeping himself under control and exercising strength when called upon. And for the rest of us, a man should be ready and prepared to go into aggressive protector mode at full strength when necessary. But gentleness should be your default mode. Your character should incline toward that virtue, but it doesn't mean that you must always and without exception express gentleness toward all people. The Bible tells us how to be gentle men. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. And it seems radical Islamic terrorists are at it again, attacking a peaceful Christian village in Nigeria's Kaduna state last weekend. Reports say they invaded around midnight. One villager was tragically killed. 19 others, mostly women and children, were kidnapped. Meanwhile, in another Nigerian village, 25 choir members were headed to a funeral last week when, surprise, their bus got hijacked by jihadists. Thankfully, eight of the hostages managed to escape, including seven women, but 17 poor souls are still being held captive while the terrorists demand ransom. As we tell you daily here at Wretched, please make sure that you're continuing to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. Well, a little closer to home, 75,000 medical workers across six states are on strike because they want more money. Yeah, they call it fighting for patients, but maybe it's all about the Benjamins. I don't know. Healthcare is expensive, but uh, crying poverty from your luxury sedans, not a good look. In the world of fake news media, sportscaster Sage Steele slammed the hosts of The View. She called them deceitful belligerents who bully guests. She recounted her traumatizing experience on the show as emotionally battering. And frankly, I don't blame her. 
I'm not quite sure how anybody is able to go on that show. At least she had the courage to speak the truth. And finally, in a rare, sensible court ruling, students cannot be forced to use fake pronouns at an Iowa school anymore. And it's about time. I mean, we should not be making children lie to appease someone's woke gender agenda. Schools exist to teach truth, not falsehoods. And that's the latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is service, the spiritual ability to meet people's physical needs. Just as Christ came not to be served, but to serve, God provides the office of deacon, those who are charged and equipped to care for the physical needs of the church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And now, a dramatic presentation from Wretched Radio. <laughs> what are you doing? Enjoying some pan flute music, Jimmy. Oh, my playlist is packed with pan flute selections. Right, it's it's right up there with my bagpipe selections. Oh, oh can't get enough of the bagpipes <laughs> of the pan flute. Love, love, love it. Sup? Oh, I was just wondering how you felt about um, murder. Well, that's a little out of the blue, but I'm I'm happy to tell you. Because I believe the same thing about murder that the Bible teaches. There are just some people who have murderous inclinations. And and, and, and murder, it's not a behavior. It's really just a defining attraction. And these people that have a desire in their hearts to take the life of an image bearer of God, they live this closeted life, this secret shameful, like afraid to express themselves to family and friends. And, and then when they do, they get shunned. Even Christian parents shun their kids who admit that they want to murder people. And then if they're one of those kids who actually acts on their murderous ideations, well, they can forget about Thanksgiving dinner because the family, Christian families, just cut them off and 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 murder's wrong <laughs> so, are you satisfied well i guess i guess i mean where do you think i stand on the issue of murder i'm not real sure yeah that's exactly the problem isn't it <laughs> this is wretched radio the dust does not appear to be settling in fact i would suggest to you I don't think the dust is ever going to settle, you say. On what table? What is the issue? It's the Unconditional Conference. Perhaps you heard about it. North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, pastored by Andy Stanley, just held a conference called Unconditional. It was for parents, family members, loved ones who have a child who is coming out of the closet, struggling with confusion on sex or gender, uh, to help them navigate through those choppy waters. And there are people, and I think we should listen to these people because they are they're not gunslingers when it comes to pointing out problems in the church that are saying, hey, what went on there is outside of orthodoxy. Now, that's a big accusation. And yet, Andy Stanley would say, oh, no, it's not. 
Prior to the conference, you may recall, Dr. Al Mohler, he wrote an article saying the train is leaving the station. This was prior to the unconditional conference. The train is leaving the station. Of, in other words, Andy's leaving orthodoxy. Well, the conference happened, and two men who are married to two other men, they spoke. There were people there who followed along. There was no talk about homosexuality, trans issues being a sin. No repentance was discussed. Instead, it was all about being unconditionally loving. Now, by the way, the title alone of the conference, Jimmy, what do you think an unconditional conference is? What do I think it yeah. is? Yeah, what, what, what go, if you just saw a banner for the unconditional conference, mm-hmm. what, what's that conference about? Love. Uh-huh. Whose love? God's love. Oh, so it's unconditional. So God's love. Right, 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 right. No, that's, that's not what this conference was about. This was about parental unconditional love, I think. But I'm not exactly sure. And does that mean that even if a child is doing something that you just find entirely anti-biblical, that you just you just overlook it, it's unconditional, just forget it, no problem, you never point it out, you just got to love them unconditionally. And the answer is, well, I don't know, because I, because, well, it's the title, the title alone is unclear. And, and, and that's exactly what I think is the issue where we ultimately need to solve the confusing puzzle of North Point Church and Andy Stanley. You, you can't get anything clear. Al Moeller, before the conference, said, this looks very bad. Andy Stanley, he got into the pulpit to defend himself, and he was speaking against Al Moeller. Please note, Al Moeller is not a, a, a polemical gun shooter who just randomly, oh, this will get views and clicks. But he went after Andy Stanley. That's a big deal. And Andy Stanley went into the pulpit to respond to him, basically saying, oh, no, 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 uh, I, I, I haven't left Al Mohler's version of Christianity because I never adhered to his version anyway. Basically saying Al's got it wrong and explaining sort of why they did what they did at the conference. And then after defending the conference, actually accusing Al Mohler of having the type of Christianity that drives people away and that we need to find a softer, gentler center. Then he says, so biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. We've never shied away from that. And yet it is couched in a two or three day conference with a message that said something exactly the opposite. He speaks in such a way that you can never no, definitively. And that's the problem. And that's why the dust doesn't seem to settle on Andy. And yet I would suggest to you that the unsettled dust settles the issue. If Jimmy had indeed interrupted my pan flute listening time to ask about murder, and I gave an answer that was so ambivalent, so unclear, and yet I could point to it, well, I said murder is wrong. You'd go, but you know, all the other stuff that you're saying seems to, I well, you, you seem to be affirming it. I never said I affirm murder, but 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 it just it, it all felt sort of like you were saying that murder could possibly be. There was a critique after the conference in Christian Post by a Derek Paul, 
betrayed by Andy's unconditional conference. This was the quote that stood out to me. He's talking about the Bible. Andy instigates confusion over its historical interpretation and authority. And that, to me, is enough. If an individual on an issue that is so clear, whether it's murder, sexual issues, whatever, whatever, if you can't get a straight, definitive, clear-cut answer, uh, then I think the resolution is avoid. I, I don't need to come up with a label. I don't need to come up with a title. I, you, you, you will be chasing your tail. You will be nailing jello to the wall. Confusion is enough. A man of God shouldn't be cloudy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't know where the guy stands. And it seems that because we can't get a straight answer on a subject so simple, that I think that that should be the conclusion of the matter. Un, until, until clarity comes from the pulpit, which they don't actually have at North Point, but if, the, if, if clarity comes from the pulpit... All right, we'll listen, but in the meantime, we're not listening. And we're setting aside. Doesn't need a label. It, it simply means not qualified. What, what is he? What's in his heart? I don't know. I, I don't know. What is he up to? I can speculate. I think I know, but I don't know for sure what's going on in there. And yet that doesn't mean that I can't make a conclusion. Denny Burke also writing about the conference. Denny Burke, he's another guy. He is the current president of the CBMW. He's also at Boyce College Southern Seminary, professor of biblical studies, said that Andy's message, his defense, and really polemic against Al Mohler, quote, was subversively anti-Christian. Whoa. Now remember, Denny and Al are not... Quote, it's an anti-Christian message because it tells sinners that they don't need to repent of their sin in order to be Christian. It's subversive because the message is cloaked in a veneer of Christianese. It's designed to persuade the consciences of Christians of a message that is incompatible with basic Christian teaching. So Denny is saying because there was nothing about repentance, there's nothing about sanctification. Uh, well, that, that's, that's anti-biblical. Quote from the article, Denny said, while he views Stanley as a false teacher, whoa, his teachings have already disqualified him from pastoral ministry. I hope and pray he repents and turns back from his unfaithful teaching. But even if he does, I think this teaching has already disqualified him from being a pastor because he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it? That's Paul's command to Timothy, or to Titus, rather. And I think we can safely conclude Andy isn't doing that. Instead, he's doing the opposite. He regularly sows seeds of utter confusion. Uh, we did a video on this, I, I, I don't know how many months ago, but I think it was something like Andy Stanley, the king of obfuscation. And, and and we've seen that again. And you can't point, I don't think you can, maybe you can, I, you can point to a specific thing that he said and go, aha, there it is right there. I, I, I don't, so clever. I don't think you're, you might ever find that statement, but we don't need it. Confusion alone is enough for us to say, here comes that word, disqualified. 
This is Wretched Radio. So, you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. And recently I was reflecting on a verse from 1 Corinthians 13. Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. And as I was doing that, it it drew me back to a significant moment in my life. And I wanted to point you back to the past as well. Do you remember the first time you donated to us here at Wretched? You stood firm in your faith then, and that was an impactful gesture, and we hope to see it again. See, here at Wretched, we operate on tight lines, making the most of every cent. Every dollar is divided thoughtfully, 83% going directly to fuel this ministry. And the good news is we're held to high standards by the ECFA. There's no room for financial extravagance or any type of misuse around here. Every donation is appreciated, respected, and used wisely. You've got questions, and we have answers at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's healthcare bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Attributes of God Psalm 139 tells us that God is omnipresent. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. God is not only outside and above his creation, he is present in every place, seeing what is happening. This is a comfort for those who love him, but a terror to those who hate him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And now, another dramatic presentation from Wretched Radio. 
<laughs> Here we go again. Oh, this <laughs> this is a good one, though, Jimmy. It, it, it's different. Oh, <laughs> you can't tell? No. <laughs> kind of all sound the same, do they? Oh, no, this one would make Roberta Flack very proud. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I got a question, Todd. Yes, so, um, have you in the past ever been critical of Al Mohler and Denny Burke? In my heart, perhaps. Uh. <laughs> An observation about Al Mohler and Denny Burke over the years has been that they practice in some scenarios uh, more self-control than I would. In dealing with some issues, these guys are both Southern Baptists, which means they live by the Southern Baptist creed. You don't talk publicly in a negative way about anybody in the Southern Baptist Convention. And there have been times where it's like, but Stephen Furtick is a Southern Baptist. Guys, come on. And yet they show themselves to practice some restraint, to try to find some good in something, and to present it merely biblically and theologically with, without it having a ton of fire behind it. And so it is when I read from both Denny Burke and Al Mohler that they are being very direct, very critical of one Andy Stanley, that that should get our attention. That really should get our attention. Denny Burke and Al Mohler, theologically rock solid. And they now have come out to say about Andy Stanley his train has left the station. Denny Burke flat out saying what he's doing is anti-Christian. He's a false teacher and he's just, whoa, whoa. Now, I think Denny has earned the right to our hearing. When he talks like that, he's, he's probably got really good reason for it. Let me take you to Al Mohler. If you recall, he wrote a critique, a concern about Andy Stanley before the Unconditional Conference. And then Andy Stanley went into the pulpit to actually go after Al Mohler because Al Mohler is one of those Christians who just draws straight lines. And that's the thing that's just driving people away from the church. So we here at North Point, we're going to draw big circles. Al Mohler writing in WNG.org. Andy Stanley doubles down on his departure from biblical Christianity. I, I have to tell you, that's, that, that maybe doesn't strike you as strong language. Coming from Al Mohler, it is. That's strong language. On Sunday, this is Al Mohler writing, Andy Stanley responded to his column about his departure from biblical Christianity. Both services, he addressed it. He stated up front that he never subscribed to the Christianity I represent. So he hasn't departed from it. That's whew. Stanley represented my understanding, El Mohler's understanding of biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is drawing lines and suggested that Jesus, unlike those who draw lines, drew circles. Quote from Andy. He drew circles so large and included so many people in his circle that it consistently made religious leaders nervous. Did Jesus do that? Well, yeah, with people who repented and believed that he was the Messiah. Yeah, anybody was well, tax collectors, sinners, prostitutes. That's a big circle. But is that all he did? 
didn't Jesus actually draw lines with the Pharisees who were critiquing him for drawing circles when he said, you don't believe in me, you don't have the father either. Your father is the devil. That's a line. So Jesus, on the one hand, when it comes to salvation, very big circle. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, welcome inside of the circle because of the magnanimity of a loving God who sent his son to die for sinners. But when it comes to truth, when it comes to morality, straight line, Al Mohler, this is the problem with Andy's assertion that Jesus drew circles rather than lines is that the four Gospels consistently present Jesus as drawing both. He did draw lines, like when he told the Good Samaritan, who, unlike the religious leaders of the day, helped the man assaulted by robbers, casting the Samaritan, the Samaritan dog, as the God-honoring character in the parable. That's a, that's a circle when it comes to saving sinners. But he never ignored the reality of sin, drawing lines with clarity, like, you know, the sheep and the goats. He did not, this is El Muller, he did not clarify his personal convictions of LGBTQ issues, nor did he really clarify the position or policy of his church. And Andy Stanley would say, I sure did. I said that our position hasn't changed. We believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And so, so can you really tag him because of all the other stuff that he said that seemed to affirm that particular sin? This is why I think, I, I just think that we need, the confusion is enough. The confusion is enough. Jimmy, let's, let's just, wait a second. I got something better for you here. Um, more pan flute? You got it. <laughs> nah. Oh, that one's a little more upbeat. I hear it. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, there it is. Do you even know what this song is? I do not. Candle in the Wind. Really? Uh-huh. Uh, I'd rather hear it on the bagpipes. <laughs> wow, that's a slam against pamphlets. Uh, why don't you ask me for directions? Hey, Todd, could, yeah. you, could you give me some directions? Where do you want to go, uh, Jimmy? I, I don't know. Just, Just pick something. I, the QT gas station. Yeah, the gas so station. So glad you came to me, even though you interrupted Candle in the Wind from Sam Fear. Jimmy, uh, go outside of the building and spin around three times and then turn to the left, walk a block, step 17 steps backwards, turn to your right, run until you run out of breath, and then fall down. Let somebody, perhaps an official government representative like the police, drag you 20 feet and you'll be there. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that's right, though. So you don't, you don't trust me? Uh, I gave you directions. Yeah, that wasn't clear. I mean, you asked for direct, and I and I'm happy to give you directions to the QT. <laughs> and you would say, yeah, yeah, but it's wrong. You're and it's confusing, and it's I I don't even understand what you're saying. I would be disqualified as a reliable individual who can give instructions. That is precisely what we're seeing. This is from Al Mohler. Stanley defended having two men who are in same-sex unions as speakers at the recent unconditional conference. Wow. It went so far to say that the church's policy and conviction on marriage is that it means between a man and a woman. 
arguing against marital infidelity. But everything else seemed to point toward acceptance. There was no call to repentance in the message that Stanley presented. Also missing is sanctification. No call to holiness, no call to flee from sin, no call to obey Jesus. He spoke of same-sex attracted believers who practice sexual celibacy, but then said, but for many, get ready for this quote. This is, this is, this is a big one. Andy Stanley spoke of same-sex attracted believers who practice celibacy. Now, even that, by the way, these days demands more clarification because you've got some people, uh, the Resound Conference, I think. Resound. That was either a conference or a hearing aid. Regardless, they basically, you can, you can hang out with uh, same-sex attracted people. You can, you know, kind of embrace your gay proclivities. Just don't act on them. So, uh, well, no, celibacy is not enough. It would be like if an individual had thoughts of rape. Well, you can hang out with other people who like rape too, but just, you know, as long as you don't act on it, you go, no, 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 no. It's, it's a proclivity that's wrong. It's bent and it has to go and you need to go to war against it, reject it and not cultivate it in any way, shape or form. Okay. So this is what Andy said then, but for many, that is not sustainable. So sexual celibacy it's just not sustainable. And so they choose a same-sex marriage, not because they're convinced it's biblical. They read the same Bible we do. They chose to marry for the same reason many of us do, love, compassion, and family. So how should we respond, asked Stanley? We draw circles. We don't draw lines. We draw big circles. But we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. We put, What? And by the way, the Pope is getting a little squishy. He seems to be waffling on the whole. Well, no, they can't be married, but we could bless the union. What? Which is it? Bingo. That's the problem. Al Mohler, the train has indeed left the station. Oof. And my guess is that even Andy Stanley has no assurance of where his logic is headed. My sincere and urgent prayer is that faithful pastors and churches will not head down the same track with him. And might I add, if you happen to be on the Andy train, uh, you might want to get off at the next station. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>